On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I discuss what I'm doing to try and improve my energy levels. And I talk about why I think it's important to go back to basics to get more enjoyment from less. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 122 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. The time is 6pm, it is Thursday evening, I'm here in the meeting room in the office and it's hot in here tonight. The sun from like midday onwards just shines through all of our windows along the whole length of the office Um, and so by the time it gets to this time of day in the spring and in the summer, when it's been hot outside, it's really hot in here and today is the first day of this year that I can remember when the office or at least the meeting room where I'm sat right now, surrounded by four different lights and a laptop, um, has been this hot. And so struggling a little bit, but we will get through it. Um, Hope you've had a good week since we last spoke like this. Uh, My week has been busy, but not productive is probably the way to characterize it. Lots of non-work stuff going on, spliced in with a fair amount of work stuff, but just not as much as I typically get done on like a proper focused actual week and so um obviously last time we spoke was last thursday night we had been in the office late working on that project and then on friday i kind of did an impromptu half day because i woke up a bit late and i'd kind of condensed down everything i needed to do into um the week before then so i wasn't that busy came into the office for a few hours and then that friday night i went at the very last minute to see Ed Sheeran in Cardiff. I told myself I wouldn't go. I told myself I wouldn't spend the like £92.50 on the ticket because I was going to see him the next day at Big Weekend and because I've seen him a million times before. But I had this thing that when artists tour in Cardiff, because it's so rare, because most music tours don't make it this far west, at least traditionally, like they would normally stop in Bristol, I have to go when someone plays Cardiff. And so for as much as I told my, as much as I told myself I wasn't going to go, it got to like mid-afternoon. And I was just aware that 20 minutes from the office was that gig. And so I bought a ticket and I went. And it was really, really good actually. So the mathematics tour, which is the tour that Ed is doing right now, very different to the previous tour. So if you've been to see Ed Sheeran before. And you enjoyed it, but you're hesitant to go this time because you think it'll be more of the same. I would definitely check it out. It is the same, but it's not like there are lots of slight differences going on. Um, And it's a really well put together show. Um, So I did that. And then getting out of Cardiff on that Friday night was a nightmare. Um, I was reading actually the other day on Wales Online, a big in-depth piece about the three things that are stopping Wales or Cardiff from being able to host major international events Um, and they were all on show that night right the lack of train travel out of the city on a night time 
the uh, lack of road infrastructure. There were like 15 mile tailbacks on the M4 for people funneling into the city to get to this gig. Um, and also the number of hotel rooms, which I found interesting. Um, there's only like 5,000 hotel rooms in the whole of Cardiff, which for a city which hosts events like the Champions League final, like three nights of Ed Sheeran back to back, like these really major um, kind of international stage style events, the city is almost lacking in its ability to do so. And that was felt on Friday night when I was trying to get out of the city. Luckily, because I was sober and because I kind of know the back streets to get to where I needed to get to, I sprinted for a good five or six minutes from the Principality Stadium to the exact entrance on the train station that I needed to get on the only train I could have got home that night. But there were 85,000 people in that stadium, many of which would have been relying on trains to get out, many of which weren't sprinting for that one train. And so God knows what happened to those who weren't able to get on the one of the very few trains leaving Cardiff that time of night. But I'm glad that I did. I couldn't think of anything worse than being stuck there, not least because the very next morning I got home about midnight and the very, very next morning around half seven, I woke up and I drove to Coventry to meet Peter Watson. And we went to Radio One's big weekend in Coventry, which was actually a lot of fun. Um, so you might remember a few months back, I sold my, or didn't sell, I let my Glastonbury ticket go. I was looking at the Glastonbury lineup and it was just not my cup of tea. And then I'm looking at the like £325 payment that was expected back in, I think, March to secure that ticket. Because of course I bought the ticket in 2019 and it rolled over and it rolled over again because of COVID. And so... I let it go and everyone was like, you're mad. You shouldn't let it go. When you have a Glastonbury ticket, you should hold on to it. All of this stuff. We've spoken about it before, but I was not going to spend five days in a field for a lineup like that. And so I didn't. And then uh, a few days after I let that ticket go, Radio 1 announced the lineup of Big Weekend. The tickets were like £22 each. Um, and it was way better than Glastonbury for me personally. And so that's what I did. Um, I bought that ticket. Uh, and it was decent. Saw Ed Sheeran, saw H, saw Sigrid, saw Calvin Harris, spent lots of money on food and way too much caffeine um, and had a really good time with Peter. Um, we just kind of sat there and spoke for a couple of hours because although we know each other very well, it's very, very rare that the two of us are together in person. I think I've met him three times ever in real life before Saturday. So now four times ever. And so it was nice to just sit there in between the kind of acts that we didn't want to see on the stages um, and just sit and chill and talk for a few hours. In the sun, I got a massive sunburn on my face. If you're watching this on YouTube, it may not be that obvious now because it has been basically a week. But I got home from big weekend. I drove to Corby that night. I got home at about, uh, about midnight and I thought that my face on the drive home felt really hot because I was just a bit dehydrated or because I had drank way too much caffeine. Like I was having a coffee at half nine at night watching Calvin Harris because I knew that I had that drive ahead of me um, and I was just panicked that I would be tired. So I was drinking caffeine all day. I probably wasn't drinking enough water to offset that. And so when I'm driving home with this hot face, I thought it was just dehydration for nothing of it. Um, and then I got home. And I looked in the mirror when I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth and my face was fucking red. We're not talking like slightly sunburned. I mean like 
picture the face of somebody who spends no time whatsoever outdoors has really like irish pale skin which doesn't tan and burns who's just spent 10 hours in a field in fairly hot weather not realizing it's that hot i was really burned and i've been paying the price for that all week because although on sunday and on monday before it really looked like sunburn it looked kind of cool because i kind of had a tan for the first time in years um from like tuesday onwards my face was just falling apart a little bit so that wasn't ideal but it looks okay now i think we're recovering so that's decent um and then did a few bits in corby on sunday drove back to wales sunday night that was a really really challenging drive actually um I would say it was on the borderline of like, I was considering stopping halfway that evening because last week was so intense and so busy. And there were so many kind of important, unmovable deadlines with the business and all of this kind of outside of work stuff that I did, you know, Ed Sheeran and then driving to Coventry and then big weekend and then driving back from Coventry, all of that just really caught up with me. And so I set off from Corby to Wales at like 7 p.m. Sunday night. And the first two hours of the drive were okay. The last hour and a half after I left the M50, M5 services, it was just tough. It was like, it just, it didn't feel all that safe. I don't want to go as far as to say it wasn't safe because truthfully, I think that if I felt it wasn't safe, I would have stopped, but it was getting that way. I was fucking tired. And so it was a relief to get back. Um, then popped into Cardiff on Monday. And then since then, to be honest, what day is it? Thursday. It feels like, I mean, you know, Jubilee weekend. It feels like today is like a Saturday or something, but I've uh, just been in the office. Very, unevent very uneventful since then. Um, and then tomorrow I'm going to have a proper day off. I'm going to take myself to Cardiff and get an Oreo milkshake from Ed's and have some food and go on a walk um, and just chill and not work and not look at my laptop. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to go and see Dermot Kennedy. He's doing a headline show at Cardiff Castle, which will just be cool, right? I saw Dermot back in the middle of December over in Dublin when I had COVID and didn't know about it. However, being outdoors in the grounds of a castle, 20 minutes from the office after a nice day off, it's just going to be a cool night, I think. And then me and Richard are off to Swindon on Saturday and Sunday, and then obviously back in the office Monday to actually, for the first time in ages, have a proper undistracted, no travel, no plans, no gigs, no half day meetings, just a proper week. No, that's a lie. Actually, <laughs> that is a lie. I have a pitch in London on Tuesday. Okay. I take it back, but either way, productive week coming, hopefully, because they have been lacking recently due to nothing, but my own ambition to go and do things that aren't work. So I'm excited to have a proper focused week next week even if there is that pitch in London that I completely forgot about, but there we go. Um, so this week, uh, there are guests, by the way, coming, I promise. Um, I'm recording two guest episodes on Monday evening, back to back. So there'll be a couple banked and then there are others coming. So I appreciate that there hasn't been a guest episode in about a month now. But anyway, that's a side point. We'll come back to that. Um, today, I just want to kind of reel off some thoughts that I've had over the week as I do um, I've had a couple of interesting realizations and thoughts, and I thought it'd be worth to just sit here with you and think out loud on them. So the first one actually came from a conversation that me and Peter were having to the soundtrack of Calvin Harris in the background. 
as we were rushing out of big weekend because we left about 10 minutes early to try and get on the very first park and ride bus back to our cars at Jaguar Land Rover like 20 minutes away because if we didn't do that the traffic would have been carnage and luckily we managed to but anyway we're having this conversation and we're walking through this field and I don't know how we got onto it but we were basically talking about the idea that in the position that the two of us are in like young guys who run businesses and don't really have that many kind of external responsibilities outside of work, um, who also go out of clients a lot and kind of, I guess what I'm trying to say is we, we control our own lives to, to quite a high degree relative to perhaps somebody else. From that, we have both caught ourselves finding less and less and less enjoyment in things that people typically would find enjoyment from because we've had the freedom over the years to kind of do what we want. The small things that some people rightly find cool or exciting have almost become moot points. They've become these things that have lost their effect because we have done them so much. And it's simple things, right? Like trips away or staying in a nice hotel or eating out at a restaurant, right? That's the big one. Um, although personally, I don't do it as much anymore just because, you know, we do it with clients and therefore I, I don't get much enjoyment from eating out outside of business. But things like that, right? If you look at, I don't know, Miller and Carter, this is a place where uh, people go on dates like they're, they're once a month or they're once a quarter or even they're once a year date and it's nice and it's lovely and it's something that they look forward to. Um, or people go there for like a major event, like a birthday or whatever. Um, but we both go to places like that so fucking often. When you're like traveling for a meeting, there's always one nearby. So it's like convenient to just pop in for food. Or when you're with a client, it's kind of like a fairly consistent place that everybody likes something on the menu. So you go there. Um, and so without realizing it, by going to quote unquote nice restaurants so often, they have actually lost all enjoyment. And this isn't me complaining, like what a ridiculous first world problem. This isn't me saying like, oh, look how bad my life is. What I'm trying to get at here is there's almost this balance in life through which it's good to do nice things. It's good to have nice things, but given too much nice things, those nice things lose meaning and those nice things lose effect. And suddenly um, everything feels a little bit flat, right? And I guess this is me uh, just speaking about the concept of the hedonic treadmill, if nothing else. And I didn't really clock that at the time as we were talking about it. But like I say, whether it is a nice hotel or a nice restaurant or the ability to travel or uh, the ability to just kind of set your own schedule and have a day off when you feel like it because you've woken up on a certain day and you don't have any meetings and you can't be bothered, right? As silly as it sounds to complain that too much of that causes a problem because I know that most people would love that. It had me thinking that actually there's probably more enjoyment to be had in life and there's probably more meaning to be taken from these nice things if I, if we were to do them less often, right? If you look at the number of people you see on Twitter who literally live on Uber Eats, they live on takeaway food, right? And so for them, that is a hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month 
benchmark. It is something that they have come to expect that anything less than that would feel like they're regressing in their lifestyle. And that's a loss, right? So they've put this hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month target on their back to which they have to keep up with that. Or else if they fall below doing that, it feels like they've slipped off, right? And then if you look at, say, uh, another family who have a once per month, really rare takeaway, because that's all they can afford, that singular takeaway in a completely different context is like an incredible treat. It's something that has been worked very hard for. It's something that feels like it's breaking outside of the norm. And so these two purchases, these two exact things, when you change the context through either choice or necessity, they not only become very different things, but they make you feel very different feelings. And I guess where we were going with this conversation is that we've almost done too much of the nice things. Um, whether it is something that costs money or not, right? Not all of these things are about money, but we've had so much control to do what we want that we've kind of done what we wanted. And now we're almost wishing we didn't because there's not much enjoyment in much anymore. Um, and Peter said something interesting about how like you live this kind of life for long enough and the highs and the lows almost end up leveling themselves out, right? Like really bad, challenging situations that would have felt terrible years ago don't anymore. They just kind of feel normal. You're a little bit indifferent towards them. And similarly with really good things, whether it's a big client win or like a fancy meal or a trip away, they start feeling indifferent. They start balancing themselves out. And as he was saying this, my mind was racing because that's kind of exactly how I feel, right? So much freedom to do what I want. And this isn't me saying, oh, I want somebody to take away my freedom. I think where I'm getting at with this is I think there's more enjoyment to be had and more meaning to be had in these things if I'm more selective with when, if I'm more selective of how and why I do these things rather than just doing stuff because I can. Um, and so it's an interesting one because it almost comes back to something I spoke about easily over a hundred episodes ago, probably in the first like five or six episodes of this podcast. I think I called it adapting backwards something like that. This idea that in life, we set these forever moving targets that seem to be based around achievement and outcome and finance and possessions. And you get the thing and then you want the next thing, right? Again, it is the hedonic treadmill. Um, and you feel like you're only progressing. You feel like you're only moving forward. And some would say you feel like you only have self-worth, right? In this context that we all live in, where we show everything off, if you're doing more. If your next car is better than your last car, if your next watch is better than your next, than your last watch, if your uh, next rented apartment has a better balcony view than your previous, right? And I think, and it's funny because I said this two years ago and then a pandemic happened and I did nothing about it, but I really think that there is more enjoyment to be had with less, but that less is taken selectively rather than just having what you want, when you want and how you want. Because very quickly, and I imagine, and I have to imagine here because I'm nowhere near this position, but I imagine this is why so many fucking tech founder millionaires hate their life, right? Because they've had everything they want. And then they realize that they were never getting meaning from that. And they realize they were never getting like happiness from that. They might be getting pleasure from it. This is a big thing that James Smith talks about in his live talk, right? The difference between pleasure and happiness and how when faced with a decision, you often see that there are two outcomes. One is pleasure, i.e. short-term 
hyper enjoyment that fades and that leaves you with nothing. And the other is happiness, i.e. you may not feel great doing the thing in the moment, but in the long term, it builds this foundation, which allows you to be contented and stable in life. And I'm not saying that any of my decisions, and I'm sure I speak for Peter here as well, I'm sure none of his decisions are, are sending him crazily off track. But the fact that we both arrived at this same conclusion through nothing but a passing comment that I made whilst walking through a field shows that this is a real thing, right? It shows that there is a conversation to be had about forcibly doing and having and buying and spending and experiencing even less if doing so actually increases the quality of all of those experiences and the quality of the things we buy and the quality of how we feel about the choices we're making. And so as I always say on these points, I don't know what the conclusion is here, but it was just a really interesting thought um, that was shared by Peter uh, that I'm sure is something that many people listening to this can relate to, right? We're living in, read the headlines, right? We're living through a very difficult financial patch and it's going to get worse. But if you zoom out, we're living in a time of abundance where we can literally have anything instantly, right? The world is set up in such a way now where it's designed for us to have short-term pleasure for everything from takeaway food to uh, Tinder, giving you dopamine that makes you think that you're actually connecting with people to social media, to television, to Netflix, like everything's set up for short-term pleasure. And I think too much of that, when you step back, leaves you feeling very empty. And so whether you can relate on like a, a very personal fundamental level to this point or not it definitely plays into periods of your life, right? The more you do something, the less meaning it has. The less meaning it has, the less kind of enjoyment you get from it and therefore the less it serves you. And so, like I say, don't know what the outcome of that is, but this is all to say that I want to explore that for more because I left it two years ago. This thing that I was going to do and I didn't do it because of the pandemic and I kind of hope to do that more soon. So I'll let you know how I get on. Um, and something else that I want to look into, and I'm actually going to spend a few hours digging into this tonight when I get home, is the impact that things like food are having on my energy levels. So I came across a book recently, the author of which I forget, so I apologize, um, but the book is called The Glucose Revolution. And I was watching her speak on a podcast about her findings from research papers around the effects of glucose and insulin on the body and on energy levels, and also on all these kind of longer term health impacts, which I don't want to say I'm not bothered about, but for the purpose of what we're talking about right now, let's put those to one side. But basically this idea that even things as simple as the order in which you eat a particular meal can change massively the, the spike in blood sugar levels in your body, which can change massively the, the crash, the dip that you feel after lunch or not which can change massively your lived experience day by day, right? So I forget, and I could be butchering this, but essentially if you were to eat a meal in a certain order, i.e., I don't know, your proteins and then your carbs and then your veg, you will have a very high um, glucose spike relative to if you eat that exact same meal, veg first, because then that begins to get broken down in the body um, and creates this bed of fiber, which absorbs glucose, then your proteins, then your carbs, right? 
And that's a weird way to eat a meal, like eat loads of veg, then eat a bit of chicken, then eat some pasta or whatever. If you can actually break it down into those component pieces, it feels like a weird way to eat it. But in the two days I've tried it, it seems at least to make a difference. And I believe that the research paper that this author cites says that eating food in that order, as simple as that is, you're literally changing nothing on your plate, reduces your glucose spike by something like 76%. And so this has kind of got me in a rabbit hole because I eat shit. Like the food I eat is terrible and highly processed and not high in nutrients and definitely falls outside of my macros on the times when I'm not tracking it. And I'm always giving myself, oh, just one more day off. Oh, I'll start on Monday and all of this nonsense. And put to one side, like uh, weight gain, muscle gain, any of that stuff, which is kind of secondary. I often feel shit after eating, right? I often feel tired and groggy and like I'm getting nothing done in the afternoons. And therefore like the next morning is me chasing my tail to catch up with things. Or I want to go to bed as soon as I'm done with working because I've had this energy crash and all of this stuff. And so I kind of want to take myself back to the, the curious mode that I was in around the beginning of the first lockdown when I had more time and I could just kind of play around with different concepts from people in the biohacking community when it comes to different ways to optimize again your lived experience nothing woolly nothing kind of conceptual but literally just how you feel when you live day by day by looking at some of these tools um so like movement and when to move and how to feel better and be healthier and food and glucose, like I spoke about and rest and water and electrolytes and vitamins and supplements and all of this stuff. A, it's just very exciting. It's almost like a mini project to kind of construct yourself in a certain way. But B, when I focus on this stuff, it has an impact. And when I don't focus on it, because it's very easy not to, I feel shit after eating. I have no energy. I get less done and all of this stuff. And so a little mixture between feeling that way recently anyway, because my food intake hasn't been great. Plus also then just learning that one little snippet from that one little book, citing that one little research paper. It makes me realize that if I were to just go away and learn the fundamentals for a few hours tonight and maybe dip into it once a week as a little kind of self-learning project, there's probably so much more to be had by just getting those fundamentals right. And I imagine based on the tiny bit that I know about this stuff, that most of us are walking around like fucking zombies, right? We're, we're not properly rested. We haven't had the right amount of sleep. We're filling our bodies with shit food and alcohol and caffeine at the wrong time. And we're watching blue light until fucking 1am. So our bodies think it's daylight and our circadian rhythms are ruined and all of this stuff. And you know that I love this stuff. But you probably realize if you've been with this podcast for a while that I haven't spoken about it a lot. And it's because, frankly, things have just been busy, both work and not work. But as soon as you let this stuff slip, you realize. And then it's very hard to get started again. I won't bore you with the whole momentum things. I always speak about it. But I'm just kind of excited to give it a go again, to see what new knowledge I can learn that can be implemented into my life to just make life feel a bit nicer. And I don't mean that in some sort of depressive way. I just mean that when you feel good, you feel good, right? And when you feel good, you get more done. And when you get more done, you achieve more. And when you achieve more, you have more meaning. And when you have more meaning, you feel good. So it's all quite circular. And so I'm just going to be uh, digging into that tonight. 
Um, this is a weird one. So if you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, this is a ridiculous story. You might have seen that I posted a picture of me and some strangers on a bench looking very happy. And if you haven't seen it, for context, my username is SpoonerSean. Head over there, have a look. It'll probably be my, my most recent tweet still. Um, so I was out with somebody on Monday evening in a park in Cardiff. And we were watching this group of friends who ended up being from Oman, I believe, um, taking pictures of each other. And it was like the greatest thing ever because two of them would sit on a bench and they would pose and the third one would take a picture and then one of them would sit in a different pose and another one would take a picture. And it was basically these three friends creating these nice photographs for each other. Um, and I just thought it was wholesome. And one of them clocked that we were watching. So he waved and I waved and it was just this little funny thing. And then about half an hour later, when they were still going, they were still taking pictures. I walked over to a bin near them to put these pizza boxes that we had in the bin and then as we were walking past, there was almost this, this decision tree in my head where I'm like, on the one hand, why would I say anything? It's pointless. It's going to achieve like nothing, right? And on the other hand, it would be quite funny to almost just start a conversation with these guys because there's a slight bit of context of the little laugh and wave we had. And truly, I think that what they're doing is cool. And as you know, if you've been listening for a while, I have been more and more trying to force myself into having these unnecessary interactions with strangers because I think that they're quite magical for want of a better word, right? You always get more out of them than you put in. Um, and so I literally just said to them as we were walking past, I'm like, I'm really jealous. I wish I had a group of friends who were as cool as you guys who would take pictures of each other like this. Um, and then I don't know what got into me, but I thought, why not? I'm going to sit on the bench and be like, should we get a picture? And they loved it. And then we took a bunch of pictures on their phones and my phone. Um, or actually the person I was with's phone. There's no picture on my phone. I missed a trick there. Um, then we clocked that one of them was wearing the same trainers as me. And that was a nice little moment. And then we had like the briefest chat before I left, but they seemed happy. They were happier from that interaction than they would have been without it. So were we. And then the man sat on the bench across from us as we, uh, across from them, as we walked past, kind of laughed and nodded because he saw the interaction. And it just completely validate, as silly as it is, right? It's this silly little story with these funny pictures of me and some strangers on a bench looking like we're best friends. And that's it. Like There is no deeper outcome from that story, but it just validated in my mind this theory that I have been pushing myself to believe for a while, which is that the better outcome in almost any situation is the one which feels slightly uncomfortable, right? It's the one which you probably don't want to do. But when you say the thing or when you start the conversation or when you give the compliment, on the other end of that is where basically everything lives, right? Whether you're in a relationship with somebody, whether you're now best friends with somebody, whether you have a pay rise in your job that you didn't expect, all of these things sit on the other end of conversations which are really easy to not have. It's so easy to avoid these conversations. And it's like, 5% harder to actually have them. But forcing yourself to overcome that 5% as time and again, I'm trying to do, and it doesn't happen every time, I have to be honest, there are at least, you know, half the time, the voice in my head is like, no, you don't want to have that conversation. Carry on walking, stay quiet, don't stand out, right? The voice still exists. But on the times when I overcome the voice, on the times when I'm like, 
I'm just going to chat to this person. Even the Gary Lineker thing the other week, I know that's a ridiculous example, but like every fiber of me was like, don't talk to him. He doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't want to be disturbed. Just shut up and carry on walking. But I'm like, can we get a picture? And it was decent. It was a nice little story, right? All of these stories, all of these things, all of these outcomes only happen when you make them. And so I just thought that that picture was funny because (laughs) that picture of me and the strangers on the bench, which is ridiculous and entirely needless, is also symbolic of a thesis of mine that I've been pushing for a while for me to believe. And if ever I need reminding of it, if ever I need to kind of look at something and be like, actually, strangers are generally quite nice, cool people and have good, interesting stories and will kind of improve the the lived experience of those four minutes of your life far more than if you just walk past, say the thing, start the conversation. That picture will now be my reminder to do that. And so I'm glad I have it. Um, and there's not much else to say on that story, to be honest. I just want to raise it for that reason. Um, two quick things. So the first is the newsletter group. I am thinking of bringing back the newsletter group in the beginning of July. So you might remember, at, well, I don't even know when it was, about a year ago now, um, I sent two emails per week for about 30 weeks. Um, and I think they were good. I'll let you be the judge, but I think they were good. I enjoyed it. I got a lot out of the process of writing them and sharing my thoughts and trying to construct emails in such a way when I t- where I take what I think is quite a complex idea or thought and turn it into a simple piece of writing that can be digested. I want to bring that back because I got a lot from it and it got great feedback. So I know that at least some people on the list enjoyed it. Um, But it's not going to be twice a week because to be honest, I'm too busy and I'll be setting myself up to fail if I try and commit to that. But once a week, don't know what day yet, some point in July, it's going to come back weekly. It's going to be a thing I do. Um, Because again, like what I always say with this podcast, I got more from it than I ever put into it. And I only stopped because of the time constraint, because things were getting busy out of lockdown. But I think that now is the time for me to just kind of buckle in on that. So I will, this time next week, I'll make sure that in the show notes of next week's episode, there'll be a sign up form for you to join that mailing list if you're not part of it. Um, Or if you want on sooner, just drop me a message on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and I'll make sure that you're added so you get the first one when it's back. Um, and the second thing to say is that there will be a guest next week, finally. Not sure who it will be. There are two, like I say, that are being recorded on Monday. Uh, one is with a friend of mine, Lewis Mockler, who you might know as Hunter. He is a singer-songwriter and he did a really interesting set of stories and tweets recently about almost the the unspoken, the hidden side of being a musician. because it's wild and it's crazy. And I think the people like you and I who are consumers of music are hidden from this entire kind of underground world, which puts real humans through real strain. And then we look at these humans and we're like, oh, they're doing great, but actually there's so much more that goes on. And so he has a story that I just really want to delve into. I kind of know parts of it already, but when we sit down to record that conversation, I just think it will be really powerful for people to see the and why the music industry is broken, I guess, is the angle that we'll be coming at it from. Um, So it might be that episode, or it might be my conversation with John Yates, who's the author of Fractured. Um, That's also being recorded Monday evening. It'll be one or the other. 
I'm not sure which one yet, but either way, there will be a guest next week. And then if all goes well, we should be back to the regular pattern of guest, normal episode, guest, normal episode. Hopefully, I hope. Sorry that there hasn't been any. Um, But that is it. So thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week. And I will see you back here this time next week for episode number 123 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.